0: hello and welcome everybody to the relaunch podcast and when we're talking about women that we admire and lifestyles that we admire i gotta tell you the guest i have today is going to be Somebody that will give you some really scary information out there, but also the solutions of what you can do when it has to do with online kids, but also the relaunch that she had that has now been so impactful in her life. Who I'm talking about is Miss Lisa Thee. She's a top 50 global thought leader for AI, artificial intelligence privacy and safety with demonstrated experience in delivering you're talking solving those complex business technology government's privacy risks you name it and the world right now wow we need we need more people like Lisa but she is spearheading such a huge huge charge she was just recently named to the 2022 Top 100 brilliant women in AI ethics global list. Can we like do a shout out to you right now? But I also wanna say I've had the privilege of sitting on a board with Lisa. We'll go into that about our mutual passion uh, around trafficking, around keeping kids safe and around how our paths intersected and really just what, what a journey and what a woman I have on my show today. You're listening to the Relaunch Podcast, and I'm your host, Hillary best best-selling author, speaker, and transformational coach, widely recognized in the worlds of neuropsychology and business launches, which cultivated the one and only 3HQ method helping midlife women, yep, that's me too, rebuild a life of purpose, possibility, and inspiring business ventures. Each week, we'll be diving into the stories that brought upon the most inspirational relaunches while sharing the methods and the secrets that they learned along the way so that you too can have not just an ordinary relaunch, but an extraordinary relaunch. So Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Oh, Hillary, I'm so excited to be
1: able to catch up to you. We have to book podcasts to get a a time to catch up with each other. Uh, So this
0: is a treat for me too. I know, and it's just, it was, we were just talking before about time and how fast it all of a sudden has been seven or eight years since we first met. And we were like, really, that long ago? And I always think about it as there's that COVID time warp where the the time of the pandemic where you were like, wait a second, is it is it pre-C, pre-COVID, or we're still in it. We're hearing, you know, more and more stories around it's coming back. But you know, two and a half years, you kind of are like, wait a second, does that count in on my equation of how long it's been? And yeah, it's crazy, but I'm so excited to have you. And you've got so much incredible information to share and the one thing that i did not state in your bio that i really want to is you've also had a really incredible ted talk that when i heard it for the first time and the second time and the third time how much it impacted me and how each time i heard it and it's bringing light to dark places online I, I learned more about it, it resonated even more and it made me fill up with such like an anger within within me but we're going to get to that and we're going to talk a lot about you know what what we can do and what as a parent, you can do, and if you have nieces and nephews and anybody around you, you can do, but I want to start that you've had some really significant relaunches and significant ones to the point where uh you know especially life and death around you know situations and i want to go back to your journey along this path and how it's impacted where you are today so please you know let's start with you know the, the the first of many relaunches that you've had Yeah, so
1: I had a career um, that was pretty traditional in corporate America for the first 18 years of my career. Uh, I came out of an engineering school, probably more because my mom wanted to raise an engineer than I wanted to be one, but came out west to go uh, participate in Silicon Valley and was able to try lots of different roles and things like IT and HR and supply chain management and sales. Uh, And I enjoyed that time to try a lot of different things, travel, and experience more of the world as a single person. When I got into my 30s is when I really kind of hunkered down and focused on those family building years. So we got married, had a couple babies, and, you know, lo and behold, I have to raise those babies. So being present is pretty important for that. So balancing uh, for the first time being a working mom and having two children under the age of two at home to take care of. And that really put me into my first relaunch. So I returned to the tech industry after an eight year break coming in uh, when my children turned two and three. And the reason I chose to do that at that time was I was really struggling with being home full time. I, I wanted to be the kind of person that had enough intellectual stimulation, changing diapers and you know, curating <laughs> baby food that it filled my soul. And it was a really good gig for a couple of years. And then it just wasn't a fit. And so it was really intimidating to come back in. I had to go learn about all the trends that happened when I was out. Like cloud wasn't a thing the last time I worked in tech. <laughs> wasn't yeah. it? Wasn't
0: it incredibly surprising for you when you came back and like in such a small amount of time, technology? Changes so quickly that you're like wait a second what I was really only gone for two to three years, how could, how could so much have changed and now I've got to learn the things that have advanced that I didn't know about it." it was, it was crazy I did that with my after my second. Well, my mm-hmm. second pregnancy because I had twins the first time and I went and started to do a lot of uh, consulting and I created one of my first companies with another gal and I took I mean I even took just you know months off and it seemed like even during that time I I, I thought what the heck where is everything going? Why is it why does it seem to be 10xing so fast? A
1: hundred percent, but it, like most things, it's almost like osmosis. Once you're submerged in it for six to nine months, you start talking the same silly acronyms and understand all the language over time. Uh, It's just about, you know, sitting in the discomfort long enough to become Mm -hmm. reintegrated into the process. And so, uh, you know, I spent a couple of years doing that and that served me well, but I also learned a lot more about the impacts of human trafficking on women and children globally over that time. And I wanted to do something a little bit more mission oriented than selling servers and storage
0: technology to businesses. Well, so what happened that because you we kind of jumped from like, okay, I'm coming back in now I'm, I'm passionate about women and kids. And yep. what what happened? Uh, in 2016, I was in
1: Hawaii, I was in a business meeting in an elementary school selling them laptops, explaining some of the technology. And uh, we went into a lockdown for an active shooter on campus. And I spent the next three hours writing goodbye letters to my young children and husband, and really, I mean, in the fetal. (laughs) And, you know, those are the moments where you realize what matters to you. And in the midst of that time, An email came through from Intel that they were laying off 12,000 people while we were locked in there. And I just thought, what am I doing with myself? And I had already been working in the anti-trafficking space. I had developed an interest in it from back in my early 20s when I was traveling. I made it to 36 countries before the age of 30 as an IT manager. And so I saw a lot of trafficking happening in front of me. And I always wanted to do something about it when I had a little bit more power in the world. And that was the right intersection point where I, I realized that there was something more I could do. And I really wanted to focus in more on domestic human trafficking in the US because it's a it's an international problem. And I, the more I learned about it was that 72% of trafficking victims in California are actually US citizens. They're between the ages of 12 and 14, the first time that they're groomed in, by their trafficker and sold. And I felt like there was something more that I could do to improve things in my own community and internationally. And so being locked in that school, I got a lot of clarity that time abundance isn't necessarily a given and that I wanted to do more. And so it really tripled down my commitment towards doing as much as I could to learn the technology of artificial intelligence, because I had seen what it was doing to improve outcomes for healthcare patients and in the areas of personalized cancer treatment and improving outcomes. And I thought, gosh, if we could just use this tool and point it towards marginalized women and children globally, what could we accomplish at scale that has been unachievable for the course of human history? And so I got really used to being the least, smart person in the room (laughs) Mm -hmm. and convening technologists and data scientists and really helping them to understand what I thought the opportunity was. And it was really my my first opportunity to step into a leadership C-suite type of role by, you know, getting people to buy into my vision of what the future could look like. And, you know, it took me from an entrepreneurship journey where we raised four million dollars with that with in Intel Corporation to modernize one of the largest international nonprofits in the space, uh, their data center and their processing capabilities uh, alongside Google and Microsoft. And then from there, I knew I couldn't look back and go back to selling servers. I had to Mm -hmm. I had to step out and lead some innovation on my own terms as an entrepreneur.
0: So you had this moment in time where you're in that school, you're realizing, you know, potentially that this might not, you know, this might be the end and it opened your eyes about the violence that opened your eyes and you also mentioned and it was throughout some of these statistics that i really want people to realize that you know the 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 people in california the kids that are being trafficked they are they are you know us citizens they these are not you know people that you know oh well they you know they don't have the knowledge or they don't have i mean we're talking like people that you see around that you don't even realize and one of the things that you had said that I, I want to go back to as you saw a lot of trafficking right in front of you when you were out doing some business traveling to all those multiple countries. What are the signs for those that you know don't really realize like what's going on right in front of them?
1: Yeah, great question, Hillary. I mean, in my 20s, it was pretty obvious to notice when you're seeing teenagers sitting on 50-year-old businessmen's laps in the lobby that something is a little bit off. I would say in the U.S., um, they've got really great resources through the Blue Campaign around See Something, Say Something, uh, but really trafficking victims tend to be products of our foster care system or have contact with our child protective services systems. They can be marginalized groups like LGBT+, plus, or also homeless or, or runaways are targets. Really what you want to think about is who looks like they're in crisis and could potentially need some help. And, you know, that might be somebody that looks like they, why aren't they in school when it's a school day in the middle of the day? That doesn't seem right. Or why aren't they speaking for themselves at a restaurant? Uh, why is there an older person speaking on their behalf? Do they look inappropriately dressed? Do they look um, dirty? Do they look, will they not make eye contact? Looking for those signs, those subtle signs of distress that perhaps they aren't in control of their decisions can be a really powerful tool. And, you know, with the National Human Trafficking Hotline, it's always a good idea to bias on the side of reporting something that doesn't feel right to you um, so that trained people can intervene. Uh, versus taking it upon yourself, and that's just a text message away for people that want to report that to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, and we'll provide the resources for that in the show notes. But. Yeah,
0: we'll definitely put those in. And one of the one of the connections, uh, our first connection, was both of us were on the board of Three Strands, and Ashley Bryant has created such an incredible organization and nonprofit. And what what really Came out of a friendship that we also developed around our passion to keep these kids safe and to keep women and to be able to share this because I think that there's this huge it's almost like don't talk about it. Don't talk about it because it's uncomfortable. Let's not talk about the fact, and you talk about it in your TED talk that you know kids are getting phones at ten. Um, that we have these laws in the the U.S. about you know COPPA, the Children's Online Protection um, Act, that keep kids off of websites that they're not supposed to. But nobody really monitoring it. I had a company around that you know to keep kids safe. You and I had many conversations about. You know what happens in those situations what's going on with the parents and a lot of times these conversations are super super uncomfortable for you you had this brilliant idea of artificial intelligence we're using it for healthcare. care we're using it for all these other things why are we not using it to help with a huge problem and can you let us know what you know what? I know there's a industry number of like, what is it around human trafficking? What is this? How? What type of you know business is this?
1: Yeah. So from a, a global perspective, it's estimated that human trafficking is a 150 billion dollar industry whose product is people. Uh, this is something that happens internationally. Uh, it happens to all socioeconomic levels of people, uh, but traffickers tend to be Pretty smart and predatory, so they're looking for victims that don't have a lot of resources to advocate for themselves. So I think a lot of people think of this like the movie Taken, perhaps, which mm-hmm. does happen, but much less often than uh, people would likely think it does. But with that said, with the you know in 2007 when we got the iPhone and we started to see all those trends of social and mobile and cloud coming in on the following years the things I had to learn about when I got back into the tech industry. Mm -hmm. Um, We opened up a lot of opportunities for criminals that have malicious intent to target children and a lot of access. So in the same way that we can build healthy communities online to uh, rally around things that we want to accomplish together, people that have uh, malicious intent and pedophiles can also build communities to talk about how to do their grooming behaviors and, and interrupt more children more effectively as well. And, and unfortunately, there's that's what we saw. So I got involved in this work back in about 2013. And at that time, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which is a congressionally mandated location for reports of all child sexual abuse material online, received about half a million reports for follow-up from law enforcement that year. By the time that I did my TED talk in 2020, that number was 8 million reports, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, it bumped to 16.7 million the following year. So it's one of those things where you can't just keep putting more people on it. You need to leverage the technology tools that the criminals are using to be more efficient, to deal with the problem and point it towards, you know, providing those services to the good guys too. And so.
0: That just makes me sick when I start to think about how those numbers literally doubled when you start to get into the 8 million and then we're talking 16 million. I mean, we're not talking
1: about, you know, naughty schoolgirl photos here. We are talking about crime scene photos of the worst day of a child's life being shared by adults for their entertainment. I think a lot of people like to water this down in their mind, but you know, 56% of these victims are six or under in age. This is not a small problem. And so it really, I felt like as a leader in technology as a director of a technology segment at an international company, if someone like like me wasn't going to step forward and lead in this space, like who was coming?
0: Mm, it just when you when you say those numbers fifty six percent, you know six and under, it's just you know you want to think that this doesn't it can't possibly happen, and it is happening. And you know as you said we have to be, we have to, you know, keep our eyes open instead of, you know, kind of turning away and saying, you know, well, this isn't happening, you know, in my, in my area. And we both know. Yeah, it is. It's happening everywhere.
1: Yeah. And I guess that that's what I had to reconcile with in myself is, you know, secrets can only live in the dark. There are never going to be enough people to be on the front lines as first responders, we need to start giving them more prevention and proactive tools. We need to educate the public to put more pressure on our platforms, to be doing more to protect children. Having, you know, some stated policy in terms of service that you must be 13 to be connected with anyone in the world at any time is and, and no enforceable age gates is not sufficient for sites that are notorious for connecting children with potential exploiters, things like Omegle, things like TikTok can be misapplied that way. Snapchat can be misapplied that way. Pretty much any platform that's an open community that allows third-party content to be posted can be used for really positive things. And also if they're not designing for safety by design, pretty negative things as well. And so I like to be a resource across the industry to bring some of the industry best practices. I lead a data for good consulting practice for Launch Consulting, where I get to work with large brand companies that are dealing with this problem at scale, because this isn't a solo sport. Criminals don't pick one platform to abuse. (laughs) Um, It's across the industry. And so until regulation can really catch up and really start thinking thoughtfully about how to do more to protect kids, I want to make sure that companies that are investing and doing the right thing are getting the most bang for their buck.
0: So having been at the helm of a company for seven years, trying to help keep kids safe, I'm, um, I'm always asked, you know, so Hillary, what can you, what can I really do? I've got kids. Is the answer not giving kids phones? Is the, you know, what, what is that first step? And I, And that's that's it's like in uh, when we were growing up and parents were like, you know, well, you can't watch TV and then they go to somebody else's house and they end up, you know, binge watching or you can't have junk food and they go somewhere else. That's not the answer. Um, What do you recommend to the parents that are listening right now to, you know, that they've got they've got kids in their life that are in this age? What do you what's kind of that first step that you.
1: Me too, friends, my. Son turns 10 this month, my daughter's 11. So Mm -hmm. I can very much relate to all the societal pressures to provide those first phones. I think the first and foremost thing I recommend is delay, delay, delay. So the wait until eighth pledge is something I really support uh, in terms of not introducing social media until eighth grade, if you can prevent it. I think a lot of technology insiders follow that guideline as much as possible. Secondly, I'm a big fan of teaching your child a technology fire drill, so to speak, which is, you know, we train for emergencies, like uh, I grew up in the Midwest, we did tornado drills in school, or, you know, um, you do fire drills, and you do all of these activities, even active shooter drills, unfortunately, in schools these days, and the likelihood is there will never be a time that your child actually has to use that training, but we always want to be prepared. On the other hand, the likelihood but by the time that they turn 18, that they're gonna see something online that is inappropriate and not attended for them is like 99.99%. And so I'm really a fan of the, the process of stop, walk and talk. When you see something that makes you uncomfortable, stop what you're doing, walk away from your device and go talk to a trusted adult. Maybe that's a family member, maybe that's a teacher, maybe that's a church leader, someone that can help you put it in context because kids are very resilient, but secrets can only live in the dark and traffickers take extreme advantage of fear in children and shame. Nobody likes to talk about that stuff. And so getting helping your child understand that you are an ally to them and that there's not gonna be something that they're gonna tell you that you can't handle Uh, I think is really critical. I think the other piece is monitoring, you know, trust, but verify, man.
0: (laughs) So, you know what, that's so true. And I have to say, one of the things that I feel very, very strongly about is a lot of times people say, well, I'm not going to bring it up until I have to, like parents are like, I'm not going to really talk about this until, you know, it's time. And I have to say, don't do that. Like, do not put this off because the more you can start to talk about them when they're, you know, much younger, when they are, you know, that age of, you know, even, I mean, start talking when, when they're five, six, like openly discuss it so that it's not, you're hitting them. You don't trust me, mom. You don't trust me, dad. It's not that it's, you've been talking about it so openly that they're like, yeah, this is just, you know, this is what, we have to be talking about early so that it's not this, like, why are you bringing that up to me now? Like, you're so weird, yeah. mom. You're so weird, you're so like, yeah, gross. like gross. I, mean, I get those looks now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but with,
1: with that though, Hillary, that's what we learned in doing our product research for our company Minor Guard back in 2018. We did uh, a lot of market and focus group research with teens themselves, as well as pediatricians, uh, school leaders church officials, all the things. And what we learned was you don't make it through the first week of junior high without receiving a explicit image of maybe a peer. And you probably won't make it through your first week of high school without being asked for one. And so when that's normalized in a whole culture, not having these conversations with your children, leaves some flat-footed for these really embarrassing and confusing situations that they may encounter. And what I learned was most kids aren't seeking it. It's getting sent directly to them. And so you're not, if you are choosing to give them that technology in the world or let them be in places where they have access to it, which frankly, we're all losing control of that anyways, the schools give it to them. Then you have to be willing to be a little uncomfortable and have the conversations.
0: Mm. And that again starts with you as a parent have to be educated as well you have to be willing to say i'm going to go to these uncomfortable places to learn about this so that you can start to address these not you know not the scary things like you can't do this but to start to be openly talking with the kids it's so powerful and so important and i completely agree i i just what you're doing is amazing. You also had a very scary situation happen over the last couple of years with another massive relaunch. And I, I would love to hear more about that specific one.
1: So Hillary, before I go to that, I just wanted to make people aware of a resource. I know we talked about some things that can be a bit scary as a parent myself, it scares me too. And so I put together on my website at lisafi.com, uh, if you go to uh, the area around my TED Talk, you will see videos about how to set up the native parental controls in your Apple iPhone to best protect your children if that's the kind of device they're using. You will also see recommendations for first phones that don't have access to social media or monitoring solutions like Bark when they are ready for those types of things in their lives. So I want to give people a, a wide array of of options for whatever fits best for their family, all in one location, including information about where to report if you are aware of a crime that's happening uh, in a light touch way that doesn't have to make you be much more involved than you are capable of being. So there's a lot of resources for nonprofits. There's a lot of resources for tools, and there's a lot of resources for parents just to think through how to be there alongside that journey for their children.
0: Mm, I'm so glad that you are putting that out there and I also highly 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 recommend everybody watch the TED talk because it it opens your eyes that the one thing we can be is when you're aware and you have the knowledge then we can help to avoid situations which is so important for kids to be aware of what's going on. So I think that that is so critical.
1: Yeah, um, I'd rather be in the trauma prevention business than the trauma cleanup business any day. Right, Hillary?
0: I think you and I are in a, definitely on the same wave there, right? Gosh, yeah. I mean, if we, can, if we can help with that, that's what it's all about. It's letting people know that they're, this doesn't have to happen.
1: It doesn't. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to get any more phone calls from friends about missing children and um, exploitation. Unfortunately, I'm the person people like to call. And um, I just I don't want to feel those calls anymore. Like, don't wait till it's a crisis.
0: I hear you. No doubt. Uh, Okay, so we're going to move into another really significant relaunch that you're still going through right now. Can you share with us what's what's happening with you?
1: Sure. So um, I've had an underlying autoimmune condition that was pretty well managed for quite a while since I had children. But when I contracted COVID in June of 2020, it really amplified a lot of my symptoms and increased new ones. Uh, So I've been a COVID long hauler uh, for almost two years now, maybe a little bit more. The first thing that I noticed was a lot of the same GI issues I have with my autoimmune condition just being really elevated and a lot of really extreme chronic fatigue, like can't get out of bed kinds of chronic fatigue. I lost half my hearing at my left ear. I suddenly <laughs> and it um, has not come back. No, my hearing aids come in next week.
0: Oh, Lisa, uh, that means that you you have literally had this ongoing, all of the results of COVID have continued for you for over two years.
1: Yeah, I have a team of 10 specialists that keep me upright and keep me moving forward. And I'm really grateful that I've can, I've gotten the right medical team around me. It took multiple years to get here. Um, and so I want to fast track that process for anyone else that's living with long COVID, uh, where I can be of service and help. Please feel free to reach out. There's some great online communities out there where you can learn a lot more. But with that in mind, it, it is pretty um, devastating to... Lose your health. And I had to make a reset on who I was going to be in the world based on learning to live within my energy budget that's here today. And that's usually about two good hours a day. That's about what I have for creative endeavors and highly active things. It's up from an hour a day
0: a year ago. And for those that could have, like, know or did know you a couple years ago, you were like the Energizer Bunny.
1: I, um, I have been described that way. uh, You had
0: so much energy, girl. I mean, we have worked together. You were, you know, boom, 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 boom. And so this has to have been so devastating to you.
1: I have a pretty traditional profile for being an entrepreneur. So when you think about that grit and that hustle, that's the culture that I came from. Um, But luckily, it wasn't my first foray with burnout. It wasn't the first time my my body was sending me signals that something had to change. And so it really motivated me and inspired me to uh, start writing my book, The Career Cleanse, which I'm uh, currently working on to launch in 2024. The Career Cleanse. Yeah. Great, great name. Thank you. It's about how to go from burnout to more sustainable living and your work and your life. Um, I'm really writing this book for my compadres of gen x and millennial women that are looking to um define their own happiness and their own career legacies and um, playing the game the way that it it was set up for us isn't serving them very well and redefining the rules and i i've had to do that a couple times when i transitioned from corporate america into entrepreneurship when I transitioned from being uh, a company founder to being uh, an employee of the company that acquired my company. And then from uh, becoming a management consultant and keynote speaker uh, three months before I lost my health and having to make that adjustment. So I've had a lot of lived experience as to tap into my mission and my values and learn to put the focus on the things that the moments that matter so that I can be the person I want to be for myself, for my family, for my uh, business and for my friends. Um, so I'm, I'm at a place now where I'm stable enough that I can be grateful for this reminder but you know when the bricks are hitting you over the head that something has to change it doesn't feel that enjoyable in the moment
0: no and the way you say you know moments that matter and i know that i'm um, even doing this interview is something that you have to you know dig deep keep your energy keep your conversation in that you know all the different directions that we've gone today and you've done such an incredible job and I just I I look at you I admire you i'm so excited to read your book when it is here, and I think that um, you let me know and we'll get you back on and we'll talk more about it, but I want to say thank you for you know everything that you have done up to this point, and I just know that the next the next part will even be more impactful for everything that you are planting the seeds to be able to bring out into the world here over the next couple of years. And um, you had something exciting happen with your health. Can you tell us a little good news that happened today?
1: Yeah. Well, last week I got my second uh, immunosuppressive infusion. Um, through my medical care provider and I'm starting to regain some of my uh, some of the brain fog is starting to go away and some of the energy levels are starting to rise up so I'm really hopeful that as I progress in onboarding this treatment that perhaps there might be a a new normal reset for me than the one I've been accustomed to the last couple of years
0: And and for those that don't know what that is or what why would you start to do that can you explain a little bit before we sign off here
1: Sure. Um, well, I'm I'm just following the the direction of my doctors, and based on the rare conditions that I have, this is the right um, level of medicine to stop my body from attacking its own healthy cells in my vascular system, so that I can uh, function more optimally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's moments like these, Hillary, that I actually look forward to. Yes, they do take more energy, maybe than other parts, but. I don't think anybody wants to feel in their mid-40s like they're put out to pasture. I'm at the prime of my career, and I have so much experience to share, especially with people that are maybe coming up behind me as women entrepreneurs, as women in STEM, as uh, leaders who have struggled with balancing family life and work life. And, and that's what I'm so excited about in terms of podcasting and writing and keynote speaking is being that visible role model of a working mom whose kids actually know her and uh, is on her first husband still, and, mm-hmm. you know, is, is what got me here won't get me there. I can't be a yes and a pleaser to everyone anymore. I have to be ruthless with my prioritization. And being able to be on a platform like this where we can maybe touch, you know, people at More than one person at a time that you don't have to be stuck in something that isn't serving you any longer is, is a real honor. And I think you're a living example of that with everything you do with your relaunch workshops and consulting and coaching. You give so many hope, so much hope to so many. And I just hope that maybe one or two people can see themselves in my story and, you know, get out of something that is just draining their battery morning, noon and night into something that makes them feel alive and makes them want to get out of bed
0: lisa you are such an inspiration i i'm literally choked up because i have i have seen your journey and i'm i'm just so blessed to have you as a friend and i'm so impressed by you i just i want to reach out and give you this big hug and And I'm so happy that you have, you know, a little bit more energy based on the treatment. And I know that um, when we were were jumping on, we were laughing about the idea of, you know, hey, I always end and I always kind of wrap up with, you know, what do you recommend? What do you wanna give out to the world that they need to try? And based on your journey over the last couple of years, you've come up with something that I'd love for you to share. Well, this might sound really some silly
1: to others, but it's been a game changer for me. So I thought I'd share in cases of service to anyone else, especially busy working parents. Um, I was slow to the game of adopting uh, curbside delivery for things at places like Target. Um, I now do all my grocery shopping online and just Swoop up my groceries, or grab that last-minute present for the kid's birthday party down the street, or even you know buy a solid-colored shirt that'll look okay on camera when I have to do these kinds of conversations. At <laughs> um, curbside pickup at Target, and what that's done for me as an immunocompromised person in the world is given me access to be able to still have all the things I need to be successful, but in a way that doesn't increase my risk of not being here for my friends and family, and so. I actually just really encourage you to look at the places where you repetitively spend a lot of time. And if there's a way to streamline that for yourself um, to consider making a shift because I'm actually somebody that loves grocery shopping um, but it hasn't been accessible to me um, in the same way the last year or two. And I don't want to use all my, I don't want to use an hour of my good two hours (laughs) in a day, you know, just getting groceries. So rolling up Mm -hmm. and having somebody else put them in my trunk felt a little weird um, at first. But goodness, it frees me up to write. It frees me up to take my kids to theater auditions. It frees me up to cheer my son on at the soccer game. Uh, And those are the moments that matter. So you know why I love this
0: one the most is time management you're saying, hey, I've got other things that are more important than going and spending the hour plus doing all this. You're just, you know, you drive up, you get them and you're off. I think it's, I think it's a good one for all of us to be able to take back a little bit of our time during the week and it's a good reminder. Lisa. Yes. Thank you for being here. And again, we're going to put everything in the show notes, but how can people get in touch with you? You so kindly said, Hey, there's, you know, anybody who needs on so many different levels, guidance and assistance, reach out. How can they do that? How can they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah. So the first and foremost place you can go to is my website, lisathee.com. If you're looking for keynote speakers, I speak on the topics of embracing AI for digital transformation. Um, I also have all of my TED Talk up there for anybody that's learning, to, looking to learn more about how to keep their kids safer online and in real life. Um, I am also very active on LinkedIn, uh, so you're more than welcome to connect with me there. Uh, you can see the podcast that I host, Navigating Forward, on all the places you get podcasts uh, where I talk about with technology luminaries and innovators around what they're seeing in their respective fields if you want to learn more about that. Or you can watch uh, the web series that I host called Navigating Abroad, um, where we try to be the technology Anthony Bourdain is my goal. I want to bring really interesting founders and really interesting leaders from around the world, um, more awareness of the really cool things they're doing in AI that are advancing society.
0: So cool. (laughs) I love that. Next, next thing I can binge on. I think that this this could be it. I'll bring it to ease attention, my husband. Okay. A big hug to you. Thank you for being on the show today. And I am excited to hear over the next few months, six months when your book is done. And I'm excited to get that, one of those first copies. Thanks, my friend, for being here. You take care. Thank you, Hillary. You've just heard another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. If something shared in this episode resonated with you, please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others to inspire them to take the small steps that lead to a life full of purpose and possibility. And remember, you can have immediate access to the show notes and any giveaways at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next week, now is your time to relaunch your transition into a transformation.